I'll bet any amount of money that this comes up in our next Level 1 podcast with Mikhail and I. If you're not on the Level 1 podcast, I'll link it in the show notes. Check it out. Um, we're going to talk about the Babcock thing. Bonus episode. Uh, as someone who has written a ton on the idea of like the old guard versus the new wave. My podcasts are currently backed up about a month, so I'll just push this one through as a bonus. Uh, but obviously we're going to talk about it. And even though I wrote in the book about like proof of work hiring and how that needs to be the way it goes. And we'll get into how interviews are essentially bullshit. I'm not here to say, I told you so. I don't care if Mike Babcock is a good guy or a bad guy at the end of the day. When I was like eight years old, he was coaching the Ducks. I was at a game in Detroit where I'm from. And I was wearing a Paul Korea jersey amongst the Joe Lewis faithful. Something you probably don't want to do. Um, so my first experience with him was super good. He threw me a puck over the glass before warm-ups. And basically told me to be careful up there. In my Ducks jersey. Paul Korea, obviously. And so that was my first encounter with him. But... That doesn't necessarily mean I should hold that view for the rest of forever based on the evidence that comes out through someone's career and how they treat people. But anyway, that's a huge sidebar. The idea of firing fast, but not in the way that we, we as a collective, hockey coaches, hockey owners, hockey general managers, like the current status quo is fire fast. And it's like the English Premier League model where coaches last a year and a half or less now on average. Some of them lasting as few as three months. And firing fast should be upon entry to the organization. And entry should be lower than the NHL head coaching position. That shouldn't be where we enter. A organization. So for the old school, old guard people that continue to lean as far away from the infinite game as possible and continue just to pluck retreads in the NHL, um, the model is hopefully dying, but it's hanging on. And I was just talking to my coaching mentor friend, One of my best friends, he'll get that, Todd. And Todd was saying, like, I mean, the hang-up with all of it, as we were discussing together, was, like, this wave that I've written about is going to happen, but it only happens as fast as as many Kyle Dubas archetypes are currently in the NHL, and that's about one. So... When the league isn't filled with general managers named Bill Guerin, uh, Lou Lamorello, Chris Pronger, um, just like guys that used to play as part of that, that think that that old school can still hang on. And some of them truly think that that is the way 
forward um, until there are more Kyle Dubas archetypes in the NHL. Um, I mean, the wave is kind of on pause. And it's happening at other levels. So, like, your case studies to study from aren't in the NHL. They're in the USHL. They're in pro hockey leagues in Europe. Um, the OHL is finally starting to swing to a younger crowd of coaches, which is good. So, like, your case studies aren't in the NHL. However, the fire fast mentality should exist at the highest level. But it should exist. Here's what I think, which is basically what we're getting at and kind of the point of me getting on a podcast. Here's what I think. What I think is that AHL coaches should become NHL head coaches. AHL head coaches should become NHL head coaches. Your organization has NHL money, so you don't need to pay AHL coaches like AHL coaches if you don't want to. And I've written on this, and the Chicago Steel are huge uh, case study in terms of hiring good people, paying them above market, and then they'll want to stay around, and then they'll want to build, and then they'll be safe enough to do all those things. But... The point is, isn't to get into the money thing. You can look there if you want. If you hire an AHL head coach and your NHL GM stops by six, seven, eight, twelve times a year, the AHL coach has a pretty good relationship then, or should, with the NHL GM. They're constantly talking about call-ups. They might be talking about roster stuff. The NHL GM might have a title with the AHL organization, whether he's GM of both, whether he's president of one, whatever it might be. But they talk a lot, and they have a relationship, and that relationship gets compounded with time. So when you're looking for a head coach, You can, A, do what we're doing right now, which is pick someone from the outside and bring in John Tortorella, Mike Babcock, someone you could call Bruce Boudreaux in the middle of this year and pull him out of consulting for the Niagara Ice Dogs and bring him back. Um, But these guys aren't currently with that team. They don't know their roster and makeup of young players. They're not working with those players every single day like the AHL coach is. And the league's getting younger and younger by the minute almost. So if your AHL coach can advance, he will then inherit a bunch of players, probably 50% or more of the roster. He's already coached by the time he gets to the NHL, whether that takes him a year three years, five years within that organization. He's then going to have the same players again that he's worked with for one, two, three, four, five years in the A. That helps. Relationships compound, and relationships are the name of the game in leadership 
now, as we're seeing. Because if you continue to do the malevolent shit, the fucking things that you're never going to admit to doing in an interview, like Mike Babcock did, you're going to get those results, which is thrown out of the league again. And like, good that it happened. I tweeted today that power to the players isn't just the GameStop slogan, and I've written about it in the book. But power dynamics are shifting so hard in favor of the players, and not just at the pro level. College kids now can transfer willy-nilly whenever they want. They don't have to be held back. They don't have to stick it out for four years with a coach that they didn't like or a coach that didn't recruit them because their coach got fired, what have you. And that brings me to the interview thing. Interviews are bullshit because Mike Babcock is never going to admit to the Columbus GM, Yarmo Kekalainen, that like it's never going to come up in the interview process that he's going to go back to the well of doing malevolent, manipulative shit with young players to try and get answers. Or to try and, like, strong-arm people. And to try and swing power dynamics more in his favor. That's not going to come up in an interview. For a couple of reasons. One, these high-level pro teams hire coaches in weeks instead of in months. Because, like, they're scared they're going to lose their guy. They're scared if they don't act now that, like, whatever, it's FOMO or... It's the way we've always done things. Whatever the case may be, I don't know, but those are my conclusions that I draw. So if we hire in terms of months or years, meaning you have long, deep, multi-year conversations with people and you stay in contact and you get their feelings on things and you get their ideas on things, then you have a better understanding of something like that is going to happen in your organization. But if you hire someone in weeks or five days or three days, like some of these teams do, interview on a Friday, interview on a Saturday, offer on a Sunday, like it's tough to get to the thought experiment where you go, hey, Mike, just wondering, in training camp this year or at the rookie showcase, would would there ever be a time that you, I don't know, pulled a bunch of players into the room one-on-one and asked them to just air their phone out live in front of you? Like, that's never going to come up in an interview. But if you hire on proof of work and you hire an AHL coach and... You check in with that coach five to 12 times a year over the course of three years while you're still working with your NHL team. You're going to be able to sit in on meetings. You're going to be able to sit in on one-on-one conversations. You're going to be able to sit in on video meetings. You're going to be able to sit in on practice. You're going to be able to observe 
almost everything that goes on in that organization. And that's going to give you a really good indication whether that coach should stay with your organization and probably move up and get a shot in the NHL, which we're not giving people. Or if we need to fire that person as quickly as possible. If you want to fire fast, fire fast in the American Hockey League when you bring a coach in and give him a shot. Fire fast if he's incompetent. Fire fast if he does some Babcock shit in October at training camp. Fire fast in the American League. And if we start firing fast in the American League, and then the people that start to make it through that period, the competent ones, the ones that put players first, the ones that understand how the new wave is going and how players want to be coached now. Then you hold on to those motherfuckers and you give them raises and you cherish them and you make sure that they don't go to some other NHL organization. You start paying that NHL or that AHL coach like he's an NHL coach. You incentivize them to stay around and compound what you have and what you're building. And then when he's ready or the NHL coach that you currently have starts bombing or you just feel that it's the right time to make a move, you already have the next coach. You don't have to go look for him. You don't have to grab a retread. You don't have to bring John Tortorella into your next interview process. You don't have to bring Rick Bonus into your next pool of candidates. You just know who you want. I've written on this like shotgun versus sniper, and I'll link some of the articles that I did on that, just to give you more of a background on what I'm saying here. But ultimately, proof of work differs from an interview process because Mike Babcock, no matter what questions he's asked, isn't going to be honest. If Yarmo Kekalainen goes, hey, are you going to manipulate players this year in one-on-ones? Hey, like, are you going to prey on young rookies at the rookie showcase and, like, try to get them to throw their teammates under the bus again like you did with Marner? Like, he's not going to admit, even if that's his plan, He's not going to get a job in the NHL if he doesn't lie right there. He's not going to say yes because then he doesn't get hired by Columbus. And then he sits out a fifth year and a sixth year maybe. Like, the dude wanted a job in the league, so the dude said what he had to say. He went on his tour around the world and spoke at different conferences and said he was a changed man and said he was meditating by the lake or whatever he was doing to get a job in the NHL again, because that's what he wanted. But you can't know who someone is because they tell you. You know who someone is because they show you. I'll leave you with that.